have your company on this Monday evening. I am on my own this week. Richie is off on his holidays, uh, but he's staying at home in Ware. So what we've done, right, is we've cut out a photo of him in his pants with a beach ball from when we were getting our fake tans done. Do you remember that a couple of weeks ago? Uh, what I need you to do, if, if you happen to be on Twitter, at Absolute Radio, give us a little follow or just look at it. Please superimpose Richie on an exotic location and let's give him the holiday he deserves. It's on there right now, at Absolute Radio. Let's see what you come up with a little bit later on into the show. I just want to say a huge thank you at the start of the show for everyone who got involved in our 24-hour jukebox on uh, Thursday into Friday last week for the uh, brilliant Teenage Cancer Trust, raising in excess of uh, £40,000. And I think it's going to be higher. We'll have a grand total for you later on in this week. Really, really appreciate it. And a huge thank you to all of our special guests and everything as well. But you guys, uh, the Absolute Radio listeners, were fantastic. The side effect of that was... Um, as you can imagine, as you can hear from my voice, we're all really, really tired. Richie's aced it. He strategically placed his holiday this week, and I respect him for that. I'm not organised enough. So I was uh, felt almost hungover all weekend. You know, um, uh, like a little bit sweaty and scared, that kind of vibe. Uh, I should have submitted and put out my little podcast that I do, The A to Z of Grown Up in the 80s. Uh, that should have been out yesterday, but I, I feel like I've used up all my words on the uh, the 24-hour jukebox. A little bit like um, if you've got a hangover and you need to go into a shop and have an adult conversation with someone you're almost cowering outside that's the vibe i got at the moment so it needs to be out tonight so i thought do you mind first hour of this show this evening if i asked for your help uh, the learned hometown audience this week on my a to z had grown up in the 80s it's t iconic things from the 80s beginning with t i'm trying to go through the whole alphabet and list all the brilliant bits about being a kid in the 1980s in alphabetical order we're at t but i'm too tired to think of anything uh, so let's ease our brains into the working week iconic things from the 80s beginning with t go steve says tenko uh, here's an old cultural reference that I make quite a bit that no one ever remembers. Do you remember Tenko? As far as I can remember, it was something about uh, female prisoners of war during World War II being trapped in, like, bamboo huts and it really hot conditions. So if I'm ever on a hot bus or anything like that, I say it's like Tenko in here, and no one ever knows what I'm talking about. That's going on the list. And hi to Amanda in Telford, who's baking cakes right now. She says Texan bars. Uh, now, do you remember those? You literally, uh, it was a chocolate bar that was so hard, you broke your teeth if you tried to bite into it. And I think they were only around for a few years. These are great. Anyone that uh, actually gives me some ideas, I will give you a credit on the podcast itself. And as you all know, our playout system here goes down easier than Neymar. Uh, and at the moment, I can't see any of the songs. I can't stop any of the songs. Some stuff just starts playing. I'm staring at a blank screen. It's, it's a little bit like that bit in, um, in Star Wars where... Do you remember in Star Wars where Luke's doing the run on the Death Star in the trench and he turns off his targeting computer? Because Obi-Wan said, use the voice, Luke. It's a little bit like that. I've turned off my targeting computer. You guys are coming in with some great stuff. Uh, Dave says, what about T for Tizwas? Final show aired in 1982. I find, I don't know, there's lots of stuff in the 80s that freak me out a little bit. The Phantom Flan Flinger from Tizwas gave me nightmares. Gives me nightmares to this day. A bit like The Elephant Man. Uh, that movie scared the life out of me as well. Sharon from Cambridge says, how about Tiny Tears dolls? I believe they were those plastic dolls that if you turned them around or, or tilted them, actual tears would come out of their eyes, like a, a, an apparition in Latin America or something like that. Uh, so any of these, these are great. I'm going to use them in the podcast this evening when I finally get some energy together to actually do anything. This one says, surely the only option is Tin Can Alley. Rubbish plastic gun firing infrared bullets at plastic cans. Do you remember that? That was so weird, wasn't it? Trying to, like, teach firearms to kids. Uh, someone else says telephone boxes. 
you ring, dialed the number, put your coins in. I miss them. Do you remember when telephone boxes tried to rebrand a bit and do email? As if you can be stood in the telephone box, stinking away, typing an email out. Uh, loving these so far. We've got Rich, uh, Richie on the line, which is an unbelievable thing. Uh, Richie, mate, the other Richie's off this week. You could be my stand-in Richie. What do you reckon? <laughs> uh, I'm not, not as funny as him. Well, you know, don't put yourself down. Uh, listen, <laughs> what thing beginning with T from the 80s is stuck in your mind? Tudor crisps. What were Tudor crisps? It was like uh, a brand of crisps, you know, you get walkers. Yeah. <laughs> well, you get Tudor crisps in, back in the 80s and they did an advert... And it was about a paper boy. Yeah. And I think he got paid in Tudor Crisp. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like he was like a Geordie kid and he says, I'd climb a mountain for a canny bag of Tudor. <laughs> <laughs> so this was do you think this is a specifically northeast based crisp? I think it might be, mate. I I think it might be. Good lad. Well listen, uh, before we let you go, can you please do the strap line from that advert one more time for us? I'd climb a mountain for a canny bag of Tudor. Fantastic. Uh, being after stuff beginning with tea, someone says terrapins. Everyone had a pet terrapin back in the day. Wasn't there some kind of rumour that like there's massive terrapins down in the sewer networks of New York because loads of people bought them, like parents bought them in the 80s because of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they've got flushed down the loo and then they've got massive down there. That might just be urban myth. A lot of people suggesting tab. I ask you right now, can you even remember what tab tastes like? I've had it. Can't remember what it tastes like. And we've got Carol on the line. Carol, what thing beginning with T needs to be on the list from your childhood? Twin tub. Twin tub? What? Tell, tell me about the twin tub. It was a washing machine and it had two separate compartments and you pulled it out and you connected it up to your um, taps and to your sink and then you did your washing and then you dragged your washing out of the washer into the spinner. Yeah. And then you'd carry on, hang it out to dry. <laughs> this reminds me, this is almost like uh, is channelling uh, How We Used to Live, the programme about uh, life just before the First World War. It sounds something like that. Not quite a mangle, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> Up there with a mangle. Do you know what it's also reminded me of, just what, now that we think of it? Do you, remember, do you remember those things that used to, if, particularly if I was going to my nan's house in Liverpool, uh, if they had a bath but no shower, used to put those rubber tubes onto the taps and then shower like that, sat in the bath? Do you remember those? <laughs> Yeah, so you can angle the water a bit better. So, <laughs> yeah. Twin Tub then, if people listening to this right now, will they remember Twin Tub or is it very specific to Birmingham and you in a particular era? Well, I grew up in Telford, but I'm sure Twin Tubs were a common thing because um, automatic washing machines, they were either for the posh people or right. no one had one and you used your mangle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, just how, how things were in Telford back in the day. Lovely to speak to you. <laughs> OK, thanks. Thank you so much to everyone who superimposed the photo we've put out there on Twitter at Absolute Radio of Richie uh, in just pants and a beach ball into an exotic location. We'll get to them a little bit later on in the show. Basically, he's going on holiday, but he's just staying at home, so we're giving him the exotic holiday he deserves. In other news, uh, we were doing a bit of a clear out, uh, tail end of last week, me and my other half, Katie, uh, and she found a letter she wrote to Newcastle United legend Kevin Keegan uh, when she was at school. So, Katie is from Blythe in Northumberland, right? So they did a school trip to St James's Park. And she'd forgotten that afterwards she'd written a letter to um, Kevin Keegan to say thanks to him. And it is amazing. So I've just got to read a bit of it out, right? Uh, she says, this is honestly how it starts. Dear King Kev, thank you for giving up your time for the autographs. We are very grateful for what you did. I was fascinated at how you train. No wonder you nearly always win. Creep. Uh, I had a great day out. I think we all did. I would like to thank Peter Beardsley as well for letting us take photos of him and the autographs. Once again, we had a great day out. 
Uh, good luck with your next match. Yours sincerely, Katie Sigorski, Class 7. Uh, she also adds, I know you get a lot of letters, but is it possible you could reply and maybe send a photograph? Sadly, King Kev didn't. But it does raise the interesting issue of writing to famous people. Have you ever written to a famous person? If so, did they ever get back to you? Get in touch now. Have you had a better person written to than King Kev of Newcastle United? Uh, just on a personal note, uh, my mum, Jerry, uh, wrote to Jackie Anassis when JFK was assassinated and she replied, sent her a card back. That's pretty good, isn't it? I also wrote to Andre Gomez. Do you remember that? The Everton player when he broke his leg in that game against Spurs? Wrote to him, put it in a card, never replied as well. So it's a risk, isn't it, when you write to people you idolise because they might never reply and you kind of feel, uh, you know, unsatisfied by it a little bit. You feel like you might have beef with them for the future. Guy says, my mum wrote to Louise from Sleeper for my birthday and she wrote back with a signed vinyl. It was my 40th birthday. Cracking work there, Guy. Good on you, Louise. Eileen says, I wrote to Paul Newman in Hollywood and several months later an autographed photo appeared. Success so far. If you've ever written to a famous person, I want to hear from you. Uh, some great stuff coming in here. This is uh, Bush. I wrote to Jarvis Cocker after meeting him when he presented Top of the Pops. Got a letter back and a signed Polaroid of the band. What a legend. Uh, Catherine says, my husband, Scott Miller, wrote to Marcel Marceau and got a reply inviting him to go and see him and study mine with him. Also a signed photo by the man himself. Brilliant work. Sam Thomas says, I wrote to Charlton Heston when he was poorly and he wrote back. It's now framed on my wall. What a fantastic thing. Uh, we've got David on the line. David, tell us who you wrote to. Uh, so, yeah, we, we were quite fortunate enough to have a reasonably large garden that was on different levels. And you see the molehills, uh, sorry, the mole tunnels pop up. Yeah. And it ruined the lawn. So my mum was not happy about it. So I flattened them down and uh, managed to catch some moles with gardening gloves and humanely cut them through the woods and, and release them. And I was really interested in them. So I wrote to Dave Attenborough and said what I'd done and uh, and that I was really interested in moles. And he sent me back a handwritten letter that took about a page and a half of A4 and some uh, printouts from Encyclopedia Britannica. I think it was photocopies. And he'd highlighted passages and put little handwritten notes in it. Oh, that's so cool. So you'd asked uh, for uh, mole-based advice. David had gone to his local library, done a bit of photocopying, done some highlighting and given you the tips that you need to be a better mole catcher in the future. Exactly that, yeah. What well, could go now? The, the interesting thing with this is a sliding doors moment, isn't it, when you write to someone you respect or a famous person? Because if they don't reply, then maybe that can change the relationship going forwards. If you think back to when you were a kid, just a boy of just eight, and, and David Attenborough never replied to you, how would that have made you feel? Crushed. Exactly. And look, you can hear it in your voice there as well. But luckily he did, and it proves that he's a legend. The man is a living legend. Leon in Doncaster says, a couple of years ago, my daughter wrote to invite Dolly Parton to her fourth birthday party. She didn't come along, but did send a signed photo. Good on you, Dolly. Uh, Amy Wiltshire says, my husband wrote to the Queen before we got married. And she wrote back via a lady-in-waiting uh, to wish us well on the big day. The hubby read out the reply during his wedding speech and no one believed him. Uh, we've got Fiona on the line who sneaked into a gig. Uh, where did you? Who did you go and see, Fiona? I went to see Bros. OK, so you snuck to a Bros concert when you were 16 and what did you do when you were there? It was at Whitley Bay. Um, I had a wee teddy bear that had a little rucksack on the back. Right. And in the rucksack, I put a note for Matt Goss and my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what, did you, what did you do with the, uh, the teddy bear? What was your plan with that? Well, I threw it on the stage hoping Matt Goss would pick it up and then ring me. <laughs> <laughs> so you were hoping that Matt would see a teddy bear, look in its, in its little rucksack and take your details and then start a pen pal relationship with you? 
yes. Have you? Uh, did you advance your your approach to dating as you got a bit older, or did, was this your kind of uh, modus operandi for the future? No. <laughs> yes, I think I, I learned as I got older. And did he? Um, when I was only sixteen. Oh, this you're only sixteen. Uh, did he ever write to you at all, or not? Uh, no, he didn't. Oh, God bless you. He, his loss, not mine. Yeah, absolutely. That's the right way to think about it. Lovely to speak to you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Erin says, Bush, I emailed Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters saying how much my mum loved him and sent a photo of the shrine of him that she had at work with magazine cutouts and tickets from gigs, but no reply. He's probably scared for his life, Erin, mate. The bit I didn't mention earlier on, actually, the, the second page of the letter, she'd made notes when she was going round and meeting all these players. And this is like, just, you know, like how, how bizarrely frank you are about stuff when you're a kid. You just say, say it as you see it. Uh, so Andy Cole, she's written shy and grumpy as expected. Oh, blimey. Uh, Darren Peacock, tall, has longer hair and was kind. She also adds Peter Beardsley, kind and gentle, was whiter than he looks on TV. What's going on there? Unusual stuff. What a trip to St James's that was. But if you've uh, written to a famous person on here from you, Jeanette says, I wrote to Mark King from Level 42 back in the 90s and I received a pack of signed photos from him and fan club stuff and tickets to their concert in Portsmouth. Good work, Mark. Uh, we've got Davina on the line. Please tell the group who you wrote to. I wrote to Margaret Thatcher. Yep. Um, I can't remember how old I was at the time, but I was extremely concerned that rabies would be brought into the, into the country from France. Because of what, um, though? To, to do with what? To the Channel Tunnel, when the Channel Tunnel was just about to be built. <laughs> um, however, she did. She, she wrote back telling me not to worry that rabies would not appear in the UK. <laughs> Amazing. What an unusual thing uh, to be concerned about as a child. You normally got your head in the clouds and all that kind of thing. But why, why was that a thing that was kind of concerning you? I think I, think I just watched Cujo at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the rabies, rabies Fantastic. So you, on behalf of the nation, just clarified with the Prime Minister at the time that the rats wouldn't get back through the tunnel? Correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the, the format of the letter? Was it type letter with her signature? It was, yeah, type letter with her signature. Brilliant. And have you, sure, still, have you still got it? I haven't got it. No, I wish I had. I think it's gone, got lost with all my news in, in, in time. But yeah, I wish I still have it. Well, listen, on behalf of the nation, thank you for being so uh, fact-checking and making sure everything's going to be OK with the Channel Tunnel. Thank you. One thing, right? Just TV recommendations. Squid Game, absolutely fantastic. Don't watch the dub version. Watch the subtitles. It's a game changer. I'll just leave that one there for you. Uh, we're talking about uh, writing to famous people tonight on the show. You ever into a famous person? Look at this. I wrote to Matt Busby asking him to tell George Best to get a haircut, says this person who, uh, as you can imagine, doesn't leave their name. Uh, this is interesting, though. I wrote to Arsene Wenger telling him he shouldn't sell Alex Manninger when the rumours surfaced. He wrote back saying he didn't intend to, but a few weeks later they did sell him. Unfortunately, the letter was destroyed along with programmes and my scrapbook from the 97-98 season, but I'll never forget the excitement of getting a letter signed by him. That's the whole uh, magic of getting something back from a famous person if you do write to them. We've got Tracy on the line. Tracy, who did you write to? Um, an American author, Joanna Lindsay. So you wrote to American author Joanna Lindsay, and what did you say to her? Um, I'd not long spit from my uh, my ex-husband and said to her, you know, the, the romance books helped me of an evening when the boys were asleep. They were two and ten months old at the time. Right. Um, she wrote back, lovely letter, um, said that, you know, so glad you're looking into my books. Um, look out for a particular title, the, the title ex uh, escapes me now. Um, and then... I bought the book, and there they were. Ross and Reese were mentioned in one of her books. 
fantastic. They were char- your lads were characters in the books. Yeah, yeah, and they were both goodies as well, which is sweet. Oh, that's nice. And what kind of books are they? Are we talking like Mills and Boone kind of that kind of uh, romance stuff? Yeah, the American romance, yes. Superb. Well, listen, what an amazing thing to have your lads immortalised in a in a Mills and Boone style book. Absolutely beautiful, isn't it? Manics, one of our house bands for our 24-hour jukebox last week, along with the vaccines. You can see both the brilliant sets they did for us uh, on our YouTube page right now. I just want to say a huge thank you not to, only to you guys for your brilliant support right the way through the 24 hours, raising money for the Teenage Cancer Trust, but all the guests who popped in as well. Med Ged- Mel Gedroich, Jimmy Carr, uh, Joe Wicks, our very own skin, uh, Mark Jenkins from the hotel, uh, Jason Manford, uh, Jordan and Perry from Diversity as well, to name but a few. Uh, but it was an amazing 24 hours. A heartwarming 24 hours as well. Lots of positive stories and stuff and showing some of the amazing work that the Teenage Cancer Trust do and why it's such an amazing cause uh, to support. Because like we said on the day, no young person should face cancer alone. That's exactly why they're there. And we're very honoured to to say and report that we have so far raised 53 thousand pounds and counting that total is going up and up and up and that's thanks to you fifty three thousand pounds and counting money raised for the teenage cancer trust thank you so much my start to the go sober october nearly got off to an absolute calamity the other night got back from doing the um 24-hour jukebox was pushing me trolley around Tesco, thought, oh, I'll get myself a nice four-pack of Guinness, that'll be good. Uh, and I love the way it makes a little cloudy thing going up the glass. Oh, she doesn't need me talking about it like that. But do you know what I mean? Got back home, and it was only then it dawned on me that Richie and I have signed up to go sober for the entire month of October. So the Guinness is now being mothballed. Uh, I'm going to put it on top of the fridge. Out of sight, out of mind. And do you know what? It's a good thing, though. I feel better for it. I didn't need that can in the evening. Do you know what I mean? It's a change in your habits. So going sober doesn't mean not socialising. And if you don't fancy going sober, there are other things that you can quit for Macmillan this October. Uh, raise your money for an amazing cause. Sign up today at gosober.org.uk slash hometime and fundraise with us, the Absolute Radio team, and join us at the very end, maybe, for that Guinness. <laughs> 